1: about me, but he talked about my family and he talked about, um, he kind of making fun of my last name, you know, and I got emotional, man. I never dealt with the situation like that and it was a big fight. It was my first time on pay-per-view. Um, I was coming off a big win and then all all of a sudden I get this pay-per-view spot that that was, uh, you know, the featured fight. There was a lot on the line there and, um,
0: in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast zoom edition we have the asian sensation himself <laughs> man from wound socket rhode island kicking and kneeing people in the motherfucking face we have andre Sukutana. how have you been my friend
1: i'm doing good man I'm, I'm doing good despite everything going on in the world you know i still feel blessed and and um i'm doing well Man,
0: so you signed up recently to a, to a new fight promotion, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Which, which promotion is that? It's not CES, though. You didn't go back there.
1: No, I didn't, I didn't end up going back to CES. I was supposed to, but then the fight got canceled due to COVID. That's when COVID just started, you know, and, and um, my fight got canceled from that. So I was on the shelf for a little bit. And then um, once they started doing shows again, I was even trying to put my name in anywhere. I didn't even care, you know? And <laughs> even the UFC, like I knew they were looking for fighters. So I was just trying to like stay on weight all the time, training all the time. And then after searching a little bit, we found XFC. Um, I've heard of XFC before. Actually, like when I first started fighting, I used to see them on um, there used to be a channel called HD Net. Hmm. And and HD Net used to show all the MMA fights they used to have all the MMA shows it was a huge like MMA um channel on uh, DirecTV and and Comcast and all that so I remember them I was just like man where they've been they had a couple shows in Brazil and America they had great shows too um produced a lot of great fighters that went on to Bellator PFL and even the UFC so I was like you know what I- I'm gonna hit them up and um I had my uh my manager aka my wife <laughs> <hit> up, uh, <laughs> yeah hit up the matchmaker and um yeah we just i, I actually filled out a tryout form because it was for trials because they're i guess like they were coming back with a big boom you know they, they haven't had a show for like two years and they're coming back strong so i i filled out something to try out and i was just like wait maybe maybe there's a better way to do this and then we just hit the matchmaker up and um Started doing business right there. And then, boom, two days later, I'm the main event and signed a three-fights contract with them. Yeah, why would you sign a tryout form, dude? Like, you're already at the UFC.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not going to say no. They're like, what the fuck? Why is this guy <laughs> filling out this fucking
1: form for? <laughs> you, know, I, um, you know, it was like two years since I fought, you know. And, yeah. and I just didn't know where I was at. And I was coming off of two losses, being released by UFC. Man, I was, I was willing to do anything. I didn't care. Yeah. What was that like, um, getting cut from the UFC? Because I know that, uh,
0: especially after you defended your title, right. Uh, when you're at CES, you literally said, I want to be in the UFC. And the next thing I know you're in the fucking UFC. (laughs) And then, um, I mean, you had it kind of rough at the UFC and then you got cut. I mean, what, what was that? What did that feel like?
1: Man, of course it hurt. It hurt a lot. You know, um, it hurt even more knowing that I'd be, you know, I, I felt like I could have did so much better than the UFC. You know, I, I was 2-5 mm-hmm. and five in the UFC, but I could have easily been 5-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Um, Just uh, little mistakes on my end that, that cost me the, the fights. And, you know, I realized that, and I accepted the fact that uh, they let me go. And, you know, they can't keep a losing fighter on the roster. But I, w- I wish they would have given me another fight because, you know, you see these people, they, they, it's usually three fights in a row and you get cut. I lost two in a row. And I had one more fight left in my contract. So I was kind of hoping and praying that they gave me another shot. But, you know, Sean Shelby, the matchmaker, he, he hit up my manager at that time, other manager, and he was like, you know, uh, we're going to have to let him go. The roster is going to filled. And that's when they were signing a whole bunch of people because they had the contender series going on. And um, they were like, but Andre gets a couple wins and he, he gets him, himself back on track. He can be back, you know. So um, that gave me a lot of hope. I mean, you definitely but, entered the 135.
0: I mean, the, your division is fucking stacked. Like, it is fucking crazy. Everybody's okay. a fucking killer in that division, so you just never know what's gonna happen. Like, every time I watch like your weight division specifically, I'm like, Doc, who the fuck is gonna die today? <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> what I feel like. <laughs> yeah, man, the the 135 division is just so explosive, so fast, and at the same time, um, they carry all they carry the knockout power you know, with the kicks and the punches. So it's it's a, it's a really dangerous division and um, everyone's getting better and the sport's just evolving. And um, I, I was, you know, of course, man, like, bro, like when I lose a fight, even before I got to the UFC, even be, before I was a pro, when I was an amateur, when you lose a fight, you could talk to any fighter, man. It's like, you know, we can talk about when we win. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Nothing compares it. Like, it doesn't matter what stage you fight at winning is like what we chase that's yeah. the goal that we chase man that's a, that's a high that we us fighters chase but when you lose man we're not just sad that day that week it it carries on until like we get our next fight booked because like now it's like oh now i can redeem myself i can get back to training uh for a fight and and i can you know you're only as good as your last fight you know and mm. If you lost your last fight, that's always going to be in the back of your head. So, you know, I lost – I didn't just lose a fight. I got cut by the UFC. I worked like 10 years to get there, and it was my dream. And I was obsessed with being in the UFC, and yeah. I got cut. I just – I lost my job, man, and I, I felt it for a little bit. You know, I, I was down and out for a little bit, and – but – um it was all learning curve, man. I, I look at it as experiences and, and I was, I'm kind of relieved that it all happened now because I'm not only a better fighter now because of that, I'm a smarter one too so yeah uh, so when you i mean when you first your your first ufc fight actually
0: uh all your losses were by decision like i I think one of the things about you like you don't get knocked out that's like that's like your thing like i don't know what the fuck it is about you but you don't you have a lot of heart right so i mean if somebody's going to go ahead and fight you they're going to have to put your lights out which has never happened
1: (laughs) it has never happened you know yeah man i'm 13 and uh 14 and 8 um And my overall i have like 50 fights including amateur including muay thai fights including boxing fights i have 50 fights amateur and pro and i've never been i've lost fights you know but i've never been finished and um i do take a lot of pride in that you know i I take a lot of pride in that i i'd rather go to sleep than tap i'd rather um you know if i get knocked out you got to put me away not Mm -hmm. you can't just rock me i won't i won't go out that way you got to really put me to sleep so that that's always my mindset um not just in the cage man but that that's kind of how, how i am in, in real life you know i i just i just keep on going man you can't knock me down if you knock me down you can't keep me down so. who's the, who was the first person that you fought in, in the ufc
0: what was his name it was um albert
1: morales man albert was, morales
0: that's right i had a couple of buddies that were uh, set to fight him uh, after because he got cut from the ufc as well
1: he got cut from the ufc too and yeah. um
0: and you lost that one by decision i actually thought you had that one
1: I lost <laughs> the decision, and, and, and once again it could have been my fight i i made a i made a decision to take him down when it was just a decision like I'm not a wrestler, I'm a striker, everybody knows that. But um you know when you're tired and I took that fight in nine days notice, you know, and yes. I had to lose about 25 pounds to make weight for that fight. God damn. in two days. So um you know I was drained. I was tired. I was training the whole time, but when you do a weight cut like that, you're gonna be drained. So it was just my emotions um, kicking in and 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 my mental state wasn't there. And I went for the takedown and and it kind of failed me. and It cost me the fight. You know, for the, t-
0: I mean, so one of the biggest things that you're obviously known for, it's not one of the best things on earth is the Sean O'Malley wow. fight, right? And obviously Sean O'Malley right now is in a position where a lot of people aren't liking him as much, <laughs> you know, which I'm yeah. pretty sure obviously because of his mouthpiece, his last loss to Cheeto, um, he didn't really take it well on the chin at all, <laughs> you know? um when you took on that fight with Sean O'Malley it was a pretty big deal right he's an up-and-coming young prospect at the time and he still is now but you know he has a big mouthpiece on him and you guys had a lot of drama coming up to that fight um when you when you fight somebody like that right and we'll get into obviously what happened in the fight after you know leading up to the fight like do you do you do you actually like dislike this dude
1: (laughs) yeah I do I do um not so much now it's like whatever now you know (laughs) that's just the way he is but um so, leading up to the fight, he talked a lot of trash, man. Not just about me, but he talked about my family. And he talked about, um, he kind of making fun of my last name, you know, mm. and I got emotional, man. I never dealt with the situation like that. And it was a big fight. It was my first time on pay per view. Um, I was coming off a big win. And then all, all of a sudden, I get this pay per view spot that, that was, uh, you know, the featured fight. There was a lot on the line there, and um, he was just talking so much crap about me. How can you make? S- and, and like the thing is, he has such a big fan base, and, and a bunch of like people just 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 riding him, you know? Like he, a bunch of yes men, all his fans, and no matter what he says, they ride with him. And, and and like I would get messages every day, like hundreds of messages, and and on my posts, like people making fun of me for for being a good dad. Like, yeah. how are you gonna make fun of somebody for for taking care of their children, the the you know to the best of their ability? I like, I try every day to be the best dad that I can be, and he turned that into a joke somehow, and yep. mixed it in with with uh, some racial stuff, you know, and and um, that got me really emotional, man. And a lot of people don't know, I, I might have said it a little bit before, and I posted it in my Instagram before, but um, I actually tore my MCL the day. Fuck. I, The day after I signed that fight, I torn my MCL in practice. It was a day right before New Year's. I will never forget it. And um, and then we had that fight, and I I just stuck to it. So that's why my cardio wasn't the best, that fight, too. No excuses, you know, but that's the truth. And um, if you go back and look at that post, you see um, him and his team did homework. They knew that I was an emotional fighter. They knew, you know, they had a whole game plan on me. That's why they chose me to call me out. That's why they called the UFC and was like, listen, we want this guy. You know, he's like Dana White's pet. They want this guy, and they picked me. And they did their homework. They, they got into my head, and they knew that I had a torn MCL. I don't know how they knew that, but they had some – they must have saw something online that had a knee brace on or something. And then um, in the weigh-ins, his coach, um, he was like, we know about your knee, motherfucker. And that's oh. – Oh shit! I, I I had a poker face, but I was just like, ah oh, shit! Like how the fuck we did know he find out? Me. Yeah, I don't know how he found out. Um, maybe maybe through pictures, my brace. You know, I I was teaching at a school at that time, and I was wearing the brace. Maybe I wasn't as careful as I should have been. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, he literally said that at weigh We know about your name, motherfucker. And I was just like, damn, that's why. Like, if you watch the fight again, right at the opening bout, he he attacks my 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 legs. He mm-hmm. tries to keep my knee, you know, and and um. They did their homework and they did a well job with
0: it. Yeah. If, if you could run that fight back, what would you have done differently? I mean, Shadow O'Malley as a fighter, he's very unorthodox. He's, he's very weird. <laughs> you know, like in, in, in for, to his advantage too, his, his uh, lexicon of strikes are up there. Like he does a lot of stuff that other fighters don't do. I mean, clearly we've seen in your fight and also the Cheeto Vera fight, you know, people are saying this guy's made out of sugar cubes because he keeps fucking breaking his fucking exactly. legs and shit. You know, so yeah. I mean, what, what would you have done differently?
1: Man, I, I probably would have um, attacked a little more in the first round. You know, I, I thought that um, he kind of did wear himself out, throwing all the flashy stuff. And my, my defense is good. You know, that, that's kind of, kind of something that I pride myself in too. I have good defense. I, it's not easy to hit me. It's not easy to get a clean shot on me. Although he did get a clean shot on me, it's not that easy for other people to do it, you know, with kicks or punches. So I was just trying to dodge everything and block everything because I knew I was very durable. Even if he kicked, I knew that um, it wouldn't hurt me as much. And and it didn't, you know. Everything hit my elbows, my knees, my legs. And um, I wish I would have just been a little more gre- aggressive in the pocket and um, go to his body a little more and uh, kind of put out a better output, you know. But I knew what my cardio was at that time, too, and it wasn't the best. You know, I, I wasn't in the best shape that fight. So it's easy to say, you know, I, I will go back and – I would go back and fight the same way. I would have just stood up and I would have won the fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and um, but really, man, my mind really just wasn't there. He caught me with a really clean shot in the first round. And I literally, really didn't know where I was in the middle of the second round. And I finally woke up and then I finally got get this kid to where I want want, want him at, you know, in the third round on the floor, and I want to pound on his face. So that's what I tried to do. You know? Yeah. I, did See, you I know he was hurt? I knew he was hurt, but I mean, I didn't know he was that hurt. Because uh, I, I don't even know where exactly he what,
0: either fractured something or he, it was, did he fracture his ankle or what happened? But did, was it because you, you blocked one of his kicks? I don't know how it happened though.
1: Yeah, I, block, I blocked his kick. He tried to question mark kick me mm-hmm. and um, he kicked me right in, the, right in the forearm. You know, usually, usually my forearm would break if you're going to kick it, you yeah. know, but, I think I made a steal. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's he's not too durable. Everybody's seeing that. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it in the Cheeto fight. Kind of what happened. Yeah, but that was the same spot though. This podcast is brought to you by Purple,
0: my friends. What are you sleeping on? If you're not sleeping on a purple mattress, well, the back aches must be lovely. You must love sleeping in pain. You might as well just take your back out on a date and say, here, pay for the dinner yourself, walk yourself home, and no boom boom for you. That's what you're doing to yourself. Did you know that for a fat chunk of our lives, we're actually sleeping? So why are you skipping out? on making sure that your back has pleasure party in the front party in the back relax all day i love my purple mattress because guess what comfort is reinvented with that specialty grid that purple has and it's also backed by science son rocket scientist has actually developed the technology in the mattress itself to help you sleep better well guess what purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world right now you'll get 10 percent off any order of 200 or more go to purple.com slash gb10 and use promo code gb10 that's purple.com slash gb10 promo code gb10 for 10 percent off any order of 200 or more purple.com slash gb10 promo code gb10 terms apply
1: i told i met i messaged chido like you owe me 30 percent of your purse bro <laughs> because i warmed that up for you i warmed that kick up for you, and i really told him i was like yo you'll be 30 percent he didn't respond bro. yeah <laughs> hope we <he> saw it <laughs> uh,
0: that's fucking funny man yeah i mean after that happened um i mean you definitely got a lot of flack for that part right
1: um, oh man it, it was it, bad it, it was all it over was the place bad.
0: people were talking it, about your fight iq um and i remember that day i like i messaged you and i was just kind of curious because number one I always want people to know, even when, like, for example, like I have opinions on fighters, right, or whatever. I'm not a fighter. I don't know what a fighter goes through in that cage. The best thing I know is like hard sparring and everything else like that. But when a fighter is in a moment like that, we can see it from the outside and say, hey, this is what this person should have done. However, we're not the ones who have a fucking knee to our fucking mouth and a fist to our face. So it's hard to kind of assess what goes on. So, you know, when I remember when I was asking you, you know, what happened there, you were telling me that you were kind of dazed, like you just, you, you couldn't really see it at that moment, because you, you kind of had tunnel vision at that point, right? I was
1: dazed and tired. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to be dazed, but I was tired, too. Um, like I said, I, I couldn't really do everything I wanted to do in camp because of my knee. Mm-hmm. So you know, we found ways around that still so made it to the fight healthy, I had a great team behind me. But I was dazed and tired. You know, if you watch that first round, you caught me with a clean shot right to the jaw. Yeah, I didn't drop. People say that he dropped me, but I did not drop. When you drop, your knee hits the ground. My hand hit the ground. And then I got right back up, and he just unloaded with me. He unloaded on me. I was against the cage, and he was just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at me. And some of it went through, you know? And that's what made me a little more dizzy. And then as the fight went on, I got tired. And and you mix those two together, man. I I was just going through instinct. And my instinct is fight. Not... Win in that way, you know what I mean, yeah just, I'm a fighter, did what? you have trouble
0: like uh hearing your corner
1: no, i didn't i heard I heard them say elbows, elbows, stand mm-hmm. up, andre, stand up, andre, I think they said that, you know what I mean, like i it was just a weird place at that time, man, I was so dazed and confused, but um I'm pretty sure I know my corner they they would have told me to stand up,
0: yeah, 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 so after the after that fight um I guess like I'm kind of curious about the mentality of a fighter, right? Especially, I mean, it's hard enough kind of like being in the cage and having to deal with this, but also there's like social media now. There's all these people who are like talking shit about people who can't do what you do, right? So, I mean, obviously people were going on a tear. There was even some of your teammates had opinions about that stuff on yeah. a public platform, right? I think um, Rashad Evans, like Rashad Evans was, was criticizing you publicly on UFC. Like, how, like how did you deal with that?
1: And, you know, that's what people see, you know, when, when big figures like that, they, they say stuff. And it hurt, man. It hurt a lot. Um, I had a talk with Sugar after that, uh, Rashad Evans, and it was cool. But, but, like, I get it, man. I made the mistake, so I own up to it. That, mm-hmm. That's what I signed up for. And I should have done better than that. But at the same time, people really don't know how I was feeling. They don't know what I went through unless you were in that camp with me you know people that were with that can't wait me they saw what I, how i pushed through with my knee and i made it to the fight and um i was dazed and i was rock and all that but after the fight where everyone you know really hating on me and and talking shit to me and and saying that i got the i'm the stupidest fighter in the ufc stupidest fighter in history you know you hear that so many times you start to believe it you know and mm-hmm. and um man i i fell into a I was sad for a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say I was depressed, but I was really sad. I wasn't myself. I was moody. I wasn't the best dad at that time. I wasn't the best husband at that time when, when that, when all that was going on, you know, and then, um, I, and like I said, you know, when I said before, you know, I got, I got my next fight booked. All right. It's time to forget about that. It's time to focus on this fight and I ended up winning that fight. So, um, you know of course i I still get messages till today for um (laughs) o'malley fight but i just laugh at it now yeah um people make mistakes man and if you don't learn from it then that's your mistake i'm gonna try and learn from all my mistakes um and that's what i'm doing yeah Uh, for in your opinion as a fighter
0: right and um you know, when you take like these decision losses, right? And, and then you kind of go back and you look at this footage. Um, I guess if I were to ask you uh, to like, if you had to critique your own fighting and like the way you fight um,
1: in these losses, what is something that you feel like you can improve on? My fight IQ. Okay. Definitely. And that's what I've been working on these past two years with my fight IQ um, with my team, American Top Team. American Top Team, I've been with them for the last two years and that's what we've really been working on. You know, there's a lot more technique in the training rather than just trying to take someone's head off rather than just just trying to wrestle and dominate somebody. There's a lot more technique to the training now. And, um, there's so many coaches at ATT now too, that they can really focus on you. and, And, like, if you have a question, they'll slow down and break it, break it down for you. And they'll stay the night, you know, they'll, they'll schedule a session with you and, and, um, you'll get it down. So I've been working a lot on my fight IQ and just trying to visualize a little more and, and study a little more tape, not just of my opponents, but of myself and be cautious of what they're good at. You know, um, I really didn't, I really didn't do that before. You know, I just went in and, and I fought. Um, how come, how come you never did that before? I was never really taught that. Oh, okay. No, I, I was, Um, I, uh, when I was up north, before I moved to Florida, you know, my coaches did that for me. All my coaches, my pops did that and my boxing coach. But then when I moved down to Florida to, um, to train with the Black Zillions, there were so many studs in the, in the room that a lot of the coaches didn't have time to do that for you. So you kind of just taught how to be tough and taught how to go in and just fight on instinct. And which I really appreciate, you know, I, I learned a lot from that too. I, I, that's why my defense is good. That's why... I've never been finished, you know because my heart plus plus I've been through that in the training room, so it's nothing new to me with someone trying to smash my face when I'm almost knocked out and stuff you know like that's nothing new to me, but when I moved to ATT I just saw that there was a lot more um they slowed things a lot down a lot more and it, it was more strategic yeah fight you know and and um definitely if you watch all my UFC fights that i I lost besides like two besides one maybe all my fights were because of me you know um I go to Mexico I, I fight the Mexican star I drop him three times with a jab and I'm taunting him instead of finishing him you know what I mean I'm having way too much fun in there it's not the time to have fun Dre right? it's time to go in there get a second check and take care of your family you know and and um I think I was real immature at that time um inside the cage and outside the cage. And I'm going to admit it, you know, I, I wasn't handling things personally a lot uh, that, that, that good either, either, you know, and, and that you need to have a good foundation and you need to be set. That's, that's where all the great fighters, they have a great foundation. They're focused. They're, they're hundred percent focused. And um, I can't say I was that. So that's another lesson I learned.
0: Yeah. So for you, you, you grew up fighting your whole life then cause you're, you said your father is your coach and um. Do you have any other fighters in your family besides you, or is it just you?
1: No, um, just my dad and and my grandpa. He fought, but um, I actually didn't start fighting until I was 18. Oh. Out of high school. Yeah, before that, I was a soccer player, and I had dreams of playing for college one day. And I also played basketball. I played for the high school. I played travel. So I, I was an athlete, but I never did boxing or kickboxing. I always wanted to. I was always intrigued by it. But um, I never got the chance to do it because I was just so focused on other sports. And then, um, when I got out of high school, um, I started training at an MMA gym, <laughs> and then oh, wow. that was history. Damn. So, what made you like kind of gravitate towards fighting? Because fighting is, is fucking tough, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember I yes, yes. Yeah. It, it really is tough, man. I uh, I have a really, really um, I, I have a story, you know, and, and and it's not the most pleasant story, um. But uh, you might even know about it, but you know, I, I had a, in high school, I had a, my wife now, she was pregnant at that time when we first met and um, I was having the baby on the way. So I was just like, damn, I have I got recruited by like seven schools for college, you know, for soccer. And, and, um, oh. and that was always my dream, but I decided to put those, those dreams aside so that I can work full time and, and try and support, um, you know, my, my, my girlfriend at the time and my, and my, and my son. I was having a son so I put those dreams aside and I decided to work at the Home Depot full-time and um there was a MMA gym down the street and I was curious and then one of my friends said hey do you want to try it I was just like yeah sure and then <laughs> we went together one time and then the rest was history I tried my first class and I was just like wow this is what I want to do you know and um and that's what I did. I, I did it every day. You know, I would go train after work. Um, I couldn't afford the tuition. So I, I, I talked to the owner and he gave me an opportunity. I, I did this for about three years. I, after training every day, I would vacuum the floors, uh, mop the mats, clean the yoga room, clean the bathrooms, the showers, the toilets. So practice would be over at like eight, but I, I'd be, I'd be there till 945 and I'll get home at like, at like 1030 every, every night, you know, Monday through Friday. And I did that for about three years. Um, that was when I was still an amateur and I wasn't even a pro yet, you know, I, I didn't even have any, uh, pro fights yet. So, so your dad didn't coach any you at first then, me. huh? Your dad didn't coach you at first then. He was coaching me at that time, but we used that gym because mm. we didn't have a gym. So we used that, that gym and, um, yeah, I'm just real thankful for the opportunity. Sorry. And, um, you know, nine months after my son was actually born, he, he actually passed away. He had a skin disease. Huh? So, wow. Yeah, you know, I, I was really young. Uh, I was um 19 when he passed away. I was 18 when I had him, and you know when we had him, and he was 19. I was 19 when he passed away. He had wow. a disease called epidermolysis bullosa, and um it was really taxing on him. Um, just a young couple trying to take care of our baby, you know. And um, after that, man, I just that's why I I felt like I went into a depression a little bit because I know how what, what depression feels like, you know, because I went through that. But then like MMA kind of saved me. And that's when I really went hard in MMA, you know, that was kind of my sanctuary. Um, and, and that's when I started going pro and started fighting. Wow. What did, did do you, I mean, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't know you had a,
0: had a kid that passed away. So I was like, well, how yeah. old are your kids now? Cause like, they look pretty young. So you, <laughs> wow. You had a kid, so you were, so you had a kid as a teenager and then did you, yeah. did, and did that kind of motivate you to kind of work harder? It, that motivated
1: it, me to just take care of my family and you know, i come from this small town in soccer Rhode island and um you gotta work you gotta work to make your money you gotta work to make a living and I, I had to work to support my family and that's what i decided to do and then i got into fighting and i was like oh i'm gonna work and do training you know and then my son passed away and then i was just like i'm just gonna train
0: yeah <laughs> but you're, so your dad um was your dad training people when, when you were growing up too? Or was this something that he got into?
1: He got into it. He got back into it because I told him that I was going to be a fighter. And he wasn't happy with it. Mm. Because he always tried to keep me away from it. You know, he, he didn't... I, I'll tell you the truth. The, the, the real reason he didn't want me to fight, he didn't want me to break my nose. He didn't want me to mess up my appearance. Mm. He didn't want me to have black eyes. He didn't want me to have a broken face. And... um he didn't want me to be ugly, he said. <laughs> I <was> like, hey. <laughs> you know, and, and um, he was just like, no, you're my son. You're too handsome to fight. And then when I finally broke it down to him, I was 18. I was, I'm 18 at the time, you know, I'm on yeah. my own. and, and I got my, my, you know, I got my own stuff going on. And he was like, all right, well, if you're going to fight, I got to train you because I don't want you to get your ass kicked. My yeah. dad, my dad is, <laughs> he's just like that. He's very, yeah. uh, very tough. So he's like, I don't want you to get your ass kicked. So I'm going to train you. Mm -hmm. So he trained me. And um,
0: Before we continue, my friends, this podcast is brought to you by ShipStation. Have you heard of ShipStation? If you haven't and you have an online business and you're selling things, what are you doing? ShipStation is a necessity. I use ShipStation all the time. If I'm shipping out products, selling anything, whether it's merch or you have a small business, you need to get on this. Let me tell you why ShipStation is so freaking amazing. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, Station funnels. All your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. With ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments this is super important i need to have all the stuff connected when you're shipping things through different mediums if you have to constantly open up different apps to get to things are you really going to do it ship station makes everything so freaking easy if you have a small business you're shipping anything out you have to you, you will not regret it it's my favorite thing to use i kid you not well guess what ship more in less time just use my offer code GeniusBrain to get a 60 day free trial that's two months free of no hassle stress free shipping just go to shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in genius brain that's shipstation.com enter offer code genius brain and make
1: ship happen we 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 had a good run together we had a really good run together and he's still a part of my 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 team of course Mm -hmm. you know he'll call me all the time and try to give me uh things to train in and, and game plans and breakdowns of my future opponents so it's Team Sukumtak, moila always, baby. Yeah. Do
0: you, do you uh, do, Was it kind of hard for you to go away from your dad and go to
1: another team? No, it wasn't. To be yeah. honest, um, we clashed heads a lot. It actually, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of. Yeah. Um, at one point, it ruined our relationship. You know, and even now, if we start talking, fighting, we start training each other. I can't promise you that we won't clash heads. Yeah. just like that you know because yeah. dad always knows better right <laughs> <It's> exactly like, <laughs> and i'm like dad no it, this is different now no but I, i've been in the cage. I, I got like 55 i don't care i'm your dad you gotta do this this will work and that's kind of how it is you know but he's my dad he's, looking for he's just looking for the best he's just looking for the best of me he wants me to be the best fighter i can be and the most important thing is i know he's really proud of me you know yeah. i know he's really proud of me he tells me all the time and. It shows, you know, he's always bragging about me. So he's just proud of me and he wants me to be the best I can be. That's it. Did you
0: ever like get into a lot of fights as a kid or is this just something that you just got, you gravitated towards because you walked into that
1: MMA gym? You know, that that's what separates me from a lot of uh, people. I think that's why, because when I went to the MMA gym, I saw these guys and I talked to them like, have you ever been in a fight before you got in a fight or started doing this? And they're like, no, I've never been in a fight at all. And... um yeah, I got, I got in a lot of scraps growing up, man. Um, that's all I did, really. I had a hot head and um, I got in a lot of fights. Uh, a lot of people wanted problems with me sometimes and I had no choice but, but to defend myself and, and fight. Mm. So I wasn't afraid to fight. I'm not afraid to fight. You know, when I go in the cage, it's just natural for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so, because fighting is such a, it's like a scary concept.
0: Like even for me, like growing up, you know, everybody had to throw fists here and there. Right. But fighting against somebody who's trained is completely different. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> when, I, you know, when I just started kickboxing. Right. And I'm like, this motherfucker could read everything that I'm going to throw. And he is socking me in the face. And, you know, that's like a very scary thought. <laughs> you know because when you do when you street scrap with somebody usually it's two people who don't know how to fight and you're just swinging to see whatever the We're fuck happens and we get tired in like 30 seconds yeah <laughs> and they break it up or someone quits <laughs> yeah and then you know you're sparring with people they're sweeping you they're socking you in the face oh punching you before you even know what the fuck you're doing and i'm like yo
1: what am i in the matrix like what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> you know you know you know what david i felt the same way yeah. when after i first started training at 18 i was getting i was getting beat up by all these guys and i didn't know what to do back especially jujitsu i was getting tied up like a pretzel yeah i didn't know anything at all you know i i thought i was tough i thought i was a big and bad but no i wasn't man i was getting i was getting beat up and hey you came a long way though you gotta you know, give <laughs> credit like i'm telling you jiu hard though. bro You're doing <laughs> good is, i'm
0: proud of you jiu is fucking hard though man like that's one of those things that's hard for me to like wrap my head around i uh, obviously i haven't yeah. given it like a full try yet but it's it's hard man like jujitsu is like chess like i feel like that's definitely a a smart man's like martial arts like you can't just walk in and expect like even the strongest people they get tied up they get choked out you know it's 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 so difficult and then when i watch fighters like or even like grapplers and wrestlers right like every time i watch habib like when he retired i was so sad like i'm still sad i'm still sad about it because (laughs) (laughs) because every time i watch him i want to see what this guy can do or what somebody is going to try to do to him he's such a great champion yeah because I remember I, I just watched the uh, the Poirier uh, interview with Joe Rogan and then Poirier was like, yeah, he's strong. He's not – he's like, but, you know, I felt people who are stronger, but he was like, it's not because of his strength. He just knows what you're going to do next and he knows where to position his weight where you can't yeah. do anything. And he goes, that's something new that I haven't experienced. And he goes, that's the hard part about Habib. He just – he's just controlling you constantly, you know?
1: Absolutely, man. I. That's why some of these wrestlers, are so – successful when it comes to um mma because they know grappling already and then you learn a little bit of jiu-jitsu with that and all they gotta do is learn um, be committed and learn to stand up and to be honest learning how to strike is a lot easier than learning how to um wrestle and do jiu-jitsu on the ground you know mm-hmm. with jujitsu, jitsu it's like if you want to be good at it you have to really be committed to it you know, I'm talking four, three, four, five days a week, and then you'll slowly start getting better at it. You know, you tell that to Ben Askren, dude. This motherfucker striking <laughs> is t- is fucking terrible. God damn it! <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. At one point, he never needed it. You know, because yeah. just take guys down in one FC in Bellator, and Bellator, and just and just do what he does, man. But you know, when you go to higher levels, like the. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say higher levels, but, you know, when you get different opponents like um, UFC fighters that like to scrap and, and that have been there and done that and have training partners that can mimic Ben Aspen, it's kind of different, you know?
0: How do you feel about, because um, you're in the 135, if, is Michael Chandler 135 as well? No, he's not. No, he's 155. 155. He's 155. He's a big boy, right? He's kind of small, yeah. though. Uh, but you, you train with, you tra- was he at ATT as well? No, he was at the
1: Black Zillions.
0: Ah, okay, okay. Bit.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. yeah. I did some training with him. Oh really? What's with that smile? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know, he's I'm happy for him. He he's he's uh he's doing well. He's doing well and he's hey, you know, he's, know what that you know, I am happy for him means that he's fucked this guy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not even man. Like, you know, we we got into it um a couple times in practice, you know, and, and he said some things to me like, you know, I was a I was a gym champion and things like that. Like, um, oh. But I'm not going to talk bad about the guy, man. I, 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 wish, I wish well for him. He's a, he's a great fighter, and, and he sh- it shows in the cage. You know, he's yeah. an animal in the cage. He's a beast in the cage, and um, that's something I really respect of him because it doesn't matter how he looks in practice or how he trains in practice. He trains hard, but he trains a little different. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the whole group's doing this thing, and then he's doing this thing. like that but you know it's all good it's working for him and and now that um i'm working on myself i realized that you know he was just doing what was best for him and uh it's working and good for him man he's an animal in that cage and i mean watching his his ufc his ufc debut
0: was so weird because it almost looked like he has been fighting in the ufc his whole life when he when he stepped into that cage he looked like he owned that fucking octagon and, you know, it's not like he was fighting some fucking chump. Dan Hooker is a monster. No,
1: and absolutely. then
0: when I was watching, I was like, why does Dan Hooker look nervous compared to Michael Chandler? It's his debut. And he looked like he was born to do it. And I think when I saw that, because I actually had my money on Dan Hooker. I was like, yeah. no, he's a, he's about to show Michael Chandler what's up with, the, you know, these UFC fighters who have seen wars. Because, you, know, you know, when pe- when I saw the uh, Dan Hooker and Poirier fight, that shit was a banger. It was all fireworks. Yeah. Michael Chandler is going to have some fucking trouble with this guy who has such a bigger reach than him. And, you know, Dan Hooker's takedown defense is great. Lo and behold, this fool knocks this motherfucker yeah. out. I was sh- shocked.
1: <laughs> my fucking jaw dropped. He, you know, he has a great team behind him, and um, that's the team that I used to train at. You know, I have no ill will towards um, my old team, you know, and, but he, they put a lot of time into him. And it's showing, you know, because he didn't fight like that before, mm. but now um, his gameness in the cage mixed with his different skills that he's learning at Sanford MMA, it's all showing, man, because he's an explosive athlete. Like I say, he's just a beast under the lights and, and he knows how to control that. I think that's why he, he acted like he owned the cage, he, like he belonged in the UFC because he, he knew it and he saw it for a long time. He's just a competitor, you know? Yeah. So what was it like for you, like uh, growing up in Rhode Island? Is there a lot
0: of Asian people out there,
1: or were, or were you just kind of like one of the few? No, there was there was a lot of Asian people out there, and that that's a big reason why I got into a lot of fights. Mm. Because I don't know how it is in California it, during that time. You know, we're about the same age during that time growing up. From you know, being like ten to like eighteen, was there a lot of gang violence, like Asian on Asian gang violence? There's a shit ton of gang violence. <laughs> that's
0: but that's like all there Asian was. Asian on Asian, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think just because it was, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, people have a huge misconception about Asian people, right? When when they say Asian, they just think we're all grouped up together. But yeah. is a huge ass fucking continent. You know Big. what I mean? And languages and cultures, all alike. Yo, you Asian people, like when people say like, yo, Asian people are racist, I'm like, they they ain't worried about you. That Chinese person talking shit about that Vietnamese person. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. <exactly. you> know?
1: <laughs> so where I grew up th- at that time, you know, I, I wouldn't say so it's like that right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, sadly, there was a lot of um, Asian and Asian gang violence. Yeah. You know, and um, I was I'm actually from Providence, Rhode Island. OK. And, and then there's a Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Right. Mm-hmm. And these two, the gang in Providence, did not get along with the gang in Woonsocket. I'm talking about not just fighting, but killings. Yeah. You know, and um. It, it was like that, like my whole middle school, high school, you know, life. And then what happened was my mom got a job closer to Woonsocket. So we ended up, this Providence kid ended up moving to Woonsocket. Mm. And Rhode Island is so small. I'm talking about, it's probably the size of Fresno. Oh, shit. Okay. That's you know good. what I'm saying? And, and so, you know, I I, I started living in Woonsocket and then, and then people see me around and some people know who I am. I'm cool. I, I play soccer with some of those guys. Ready to play for the team, boom, I have some friends already. But the guys that don't know me, they they're like, Where's this kid from? Oh, and then the word gets around, I'm from I'm from Providence. So then automatically they assume, you know, they know I'm not a gangbanger, because I, I don't act like one. I I wasn't like trying to be one, but just cause I was from Providence, people wanted to mess with me. You know, and that that's where I got into a lot of fights. Mm. Um, but you know, all that all that stuff happened and then I ended up getting their respect you know because i never backed down from anybody and i was i was a good athlete too so i got some respect from that and now some of those guys that you know they're some of my my best friends now so (laughs) it's crazy how it works and the crazy part is you know there wasn't many loud people doing mma at that time so think about rhode island you know everybody's ruined for me i'm talking about everybody everybody asian um everybody that knew me so what i did was i kind of I think I kind of brought those people together. I mean, I brought Providence and Wusaka together because those same rival gangs would show up to the, you know, they couldn't be under a building, under the same building because yeah. there'll be some, there'll be a fight or gunshots or something. Always yeah. happened like that. But when I started yeah. fighting, when I started fighting, I noticed that I see people from the same city, from uh, different cities and different gangs. They all go and support me under one building and there'll be no fights. There'll be no shootouts. There'll be no beef. I literally be on top of the cage and I'll see like a Winsaki gang member and the Promise gang member just clapping for me after I won like side by side. And and that was a really cool thing to see. You know what I mean? And um, I'm glad that I chilled out. I'm really glad that I chilled out.
0: Yeah. Well, so if for you, what what made you like not want to join a gang or anything else like that? Because I felt like that was hard for a lot of Asian kids. Like, if you grew up around that shit, yeah. you know, you you were going to do it. Like, I never joined the gang. Like, I was too much of a pussy. You know. <laughs> so, you, well, you did
1: know you what? Get, did you get teased for not? Because I got teased a lot, and I even got like beat up sometimes, sucker punched, and, and picked on a lot because I didn't want to be in a gang. Because I wasn't in the best neighborhood either, and. I know your story and and you didn't grow up in the best neighborhood either. So did you get picked on for that too?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like it's, it's hard, it's weird, right? Because, you know, when everybody's doing some, as a kid, you want to be involved in everything everybody else is doing. Right. Yeah. But I knew I was never about that. Like my father was a pastor, you know I mean? I was just a goofy ass kid. And the reason why I got away with a lot of the stuff that I got to was number one, I'm like six foot one. I was a big kid, you know? And also too, I was just really funny. So I, I got to. Be able to joke around with them, make them laugh and stuff. So they let me kick it with them here and there. Exactly. Uh, And I got lucky because a lot of these dudes saw me grow up when I was a little kid. So a lot of like the OG OGs would watch after me. It's like, yo, leave him alone. Like he's like a, you know, goofy ass kid. Some of them, you know, they would try me. I would just have to get smacked a little bit, (laughs) you know, because what was I going to do? These motherfuckers will fucking kill me. But they would, they, I mean, they tried to bring me to some of the stuff. But after a while, I was like, this isn't for me. I can't do this shit. Like I told the story on this podcast. Like I remember the first time um i went to a house party and this dude spit on the floor inside the house and he spit on this dude's air force ones and this guy looked at him and he just goes clean my fucking shoe right and this guy's like fuck you i clean that shit and this dude didn't know lo and behold this dude's fucking strapped he stands up like 10 other dudes are strapped up sit up and they all put they all whip out the strap i'm like Damn. damn this is not and i'm sitting here this goofy ass kid with these coke bottle glasses like i'm gonna die like yo what the fuck am i doing here this podcast is brought to you by Babel my friends my favorite language learning app you need to level up and learn another language i'm already bilingual well what's wrong with being a trilingual sexual baby that's me i'm learning and espanol my friends hola híjole de la chingada it's me baby Babbel is probably one of the easiest language learning apps i've ever been on specifically because like they kind of teach you language in the way that most people speak it right so when i was in high school they would teach us through these books that just didn't really teach you how to speak colloquially Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind and things you'll get to use every day. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Super important, muy importante, my friends. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of 3 Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code GB, that's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code GB for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I I didn't want to be involved in that that type of stuff, but it was hard because like, you know, you're the goofy kid. So sometimes too, they would just make fun of me, poke fun at me, and I just had to sit there and laugh and take it. So, you know, it was weird because I wanted the protection, but I wasn't. I just didn't have the heart enough to be in a gang. And it's like, it's not like I could do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I think the juniors,
1: they, they, messed, they messed around with me a lot, you know? Yeah. And the OGs never messed around with me. They respected my dad. My dad was really re- well-respected. And um, I, I, could, I could say I had good guidance from my father. You know, he, um, he always told me to be a leader, not a follower. And he actually signed me up to a private school in middle school to keep me away from all that. So I went to a private school um in middle school. And um but I would come home to the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll be I'll be at this private school, but you know, I still live at the same place. So I'll come home to the same stuff and I'll i face i face the same problems. Like these kids, you know, go to the park and I'm getting I made fun of people picking fights with me. People call me Rich boy because I got fake polo socks on, cause my mom <laughs> wants me to look decent, you know. But, um, it, you know, it, it was kind of tough growing up in, in that aspect. But sports saved my life. You know, once my dad put me on the soccer team, once he put me on the basketball team, it was a wrap, man. That's what I was focused on. That's what I was focused on. You know, you know we talk about we want to be a part of something. We want to be, do what the other kids were doing. I wanted to do what the soccer players were doing. I wanted to do what the basketball players were doing. I see people on TV, the NBA, the, the World Cup. I wanted to be there, you know, I wanted to be on TV and and be a professional, um, professional athlete, you know, and, and that's kind of how my mindset was always growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's interesting how a
0: lot of these like extracurricular activities do help people out a lot. That's like, like with these after school programs are very important for a lot of these kids and people don't even think about that stuff. Like a lot of the funding, I I don't know where it goes into schools, but after school programming is something that I've been a huge advocate of because there's some people, some kids just aren't really good at school. You know, they just need some other place to be outside of it. And if, if you're not going to provide an area for these kids in bad areas to be at in a productive environment, they're going to find stupid shit to do all the fucking time. You know, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we all grew up with people who, uh, who probably were really bright and smart people, but they just were stuck with the wrong crowd and they end up in the bad place. Like I remember uh, I had a homie who, um, who ended up in jail for jacking cars, right? Jack cars like a shit ton. And, you know, back in the day, you, you jacking cars, you, get, you go to jail for like five to six years easy. But yeah. he had done it so many times. He told me after he got out, he kind of changed his life, like kind of found God and everything. Um, but he, he told me his first, first night in prison, he, he heard a dude getting raped in his cell. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and he, yeah. I was like, yo, what the fuck? And he came out of jail fucking yoked. And I was like, yo, what happened? Like, I was like, bro, you're fucking. He goes, number one, you have nothing to do. And number two, I did not want to get butt fucked by any fucking inmates. So he had to gang up with a bunch of Asian gangs, right? Which he's, he didn't want to. He was jacking cars. He wasn't a thug. He was just yeah. stealing shit. So he had to go ahead and pretend to be something that he wasn't just because he was so scared. And he had to yoke up and he was all tatted up and shit when he came out, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I can't imagine the gang life on the on the West Coast, man. It's probably different from a small Rhode Island, man. You, it's probably ooh <laughs> ten <laughs> yeah. times more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I get it, bro. I, I, ooh. Yeah, I mean the the, the gangs. I, like I don't know too
0: much about gang life now, you know. But I just know back in the day, just because a lot of my friends were in it. So yeah. you know, depending on whatever set you're from, a lot of these like gangs that people don't know about, Asian gangs. It's yeah. it's not from like it's it it's stems from like Asian mafia shit. So. Yeah. You know, specifically out in the East Coast, like Chinese people, people don't know. That's like Chinese mafia shit. Like from like from like early on in, in, in the States when the first like Chinese immigration came, like these people, number one, were getting bullied and punked or whatever. So they grouped up because the police wouldn't come and help them. Nobody gave a fuck about these human beings. Wow. And so these are like gang members who came from like Hong Kong. And, and whatever, and they built up these huge fucking mafia shit over here, and they be, they they kind of dealt with like the whole cocaine and all this other shit, and all these other like privatized drugs, and that's how it all started. And then you have little factions
1: that started growing. Then the young ones start their own gang. Young ones start their yeah, own. Yeah, right? yeah, that's kind of how it. Like, you know, if you if you grew up in that, it's kind of like you see that all the time. You know, your big brother, your cousins are in it. Then that's kind of like how 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 uh, how the water flows right down and. Listen, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Like it's all good. Just, just yo, if I did not do nothing to you, please, just could we be cool? Or you know, I get that respect a lot on the East Coast, and uh, you know, people that know me and stuff. I'm, I'm really thankful to to be on the good, the good side of a lot of the gangs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a crazy lifestyle, and it wasn't for me, you know.
0: Yeah. So what's 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 your next move now? Now that you so you're. you're are you trying to get back into the UFC? Like, where do you see your fight career going from here?
1: You know, that was my biggest problem, man. I always looked ahead. You know, I was always trying to, all right, after this fight, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to try to get this next contract. Or I'm going to try to get top, uh, crack the top 10. You know, I'm just chilling, bro. Like, I just fought in November. I won that fight against a tough Brazilian. You know, two-time world champion in Muay Thai. He was 16 and 8 and he was a tough fight i mean you I definitely fought looked, different you 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 were a lot more patient in that fight yes i i, I tried <laughs> i tried to be smart i didn't you know i also had a, fr- a fractured uh, wrist without nah, even knowing it you i know?
0: feel like th- does every fighter just go in all fucked up like it's, i think it's impossible right uh-huh. like- <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you're never gonna be 100 percent, you know and um my wrist was hurt in that whole camp i didn't know it was fractured you know i went to took the fight. So maybe I went into the fight if I knew it, but after the fight, I find out my wrist has been fractured for a long time. So I was in a cast for about eight weeks and I've been training off the cast now for about three weeks now. And and I'm, I'm hearing that there's going to be a card in May. So I think that I will be fighting in May again for XFC. I have two more fights with them and they treat me good. And I think they have some, some, some big, some cool plans. They're doing some big things, man. You know, uh, at this point, it's like, I've been in the UFC, you know, there's Bellator, there's one FC, there's XFC, there's PFL. I'm just happy to be doing what I'm doing, especially during this crazy pandemic. I still get to train every day with the best team in the world. I still get to um, go under the lights and provide for my family doing what I love. Yeah. So we'll see what the future holds for me, man. I'm just my main goal is just get the job done. You know, I gotta go in there, win my fights, and whatever comes with it, it'll come. You know.
0: So you're so you're with ATT now. Who's who's the head coach over there?
1: The head coach is um the man in charge is Conan Silveira. Okay. He uh he's in Pioneer in MMA. He's a beast. Uh, he kind of overlooks what all the fighters are doing, what all the trainers are doing. But really, it's like, there's so many fighters there. It's probably about 70 people on the mat every day. So there's a lot of coaches and it depends. You kind of pick your coach or your coach kind of gravitates to you. So I have like a little Muay Thai crew that I work with. And then I have a boxing coach. And then I have my MMA coach. And they have classes that go, you know, they have two or three classes that go on every day just for the pros. Mm -hmm. And you can just kind of pick and choose whichever ones you want to do. You know, that unless you're in like full camp, you have like a written schedule and you, you follow that schedule. But not without sitting down with your coach and it's like, listen, all right, this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy. So I want to actually work more on my takedown defense. So yeah. I'm going to be working with this coach and this coach more, this, this fight camp. You know what I mean? It's, gotcha. it's very professional and um, I see why they're very successful. Who, who, runs their, who runs their like jiu-jitsu and grappling program then? Oh, man. I would say this hands down, like I've grappled with a lot of great people and coach prahumpa um, he is a beast on the ground man he he's like multi time world champion um and he's really small man, but he 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 just takes it to everyone he'll he'll enter contests at heavyweight and he's like maybe five two five three, and he'll do heavyweight contests and he'll make it to the finals you know Jeez. with all the other black belts so he runs that we have uh, the wrestling coach Steve Mako he's a gold uh, gold medalist Olympian um he's a beast and uh, we also have Mike Brown you know everyone knows who coach Mike Brown is yeah yeah he's, that's from, right. he's from the northeast just like I am so we click real real well and um he has a great game plan we have great Muay Thai coaches and um great boxing coaches we have so many coaches and all the coaches are so genuine and they really want what's best for you you know uh you need something, and they're always there for you. It's nice. So you're what you're, you're 32 now. I'm 32.
0: Yes. At 32 now. How, how, how much longer do you see yourselves fighting? Because I, I, I mean, today I actually just found out that Alistair Overeem and fucking uh, JDS got cut from the OC.
1: Really? I saw a junior today. He didn't say anything. Man. Yeah. He, he got, he got
0: cut. So um, his contract is up. I mean, obviously he was on a four fight uh, losing skid. Yeah. Um, which is hard for me to see just because, you know, he put on some of the fucking yeah. best fights. He was a tear in the division. Obviously, you know, if anybody who's watching fighting now, like you look at JDS's fight streak, you're, you're looking at an older JDS. He's exactly. he's in his 40s for crying out loud, you know. But
1: you but, know what, David? Sorry, I keep hitting my table. No, go ahead. Even if you get cut from the UFC with resumes like Alistair Overeem and JDS. They could go anywhere. If they want to still fight, they can go anywhere and make more money. Mm-hmm. They can go to ONE FC, Bellator, PFL for the one million dollar tournament and make even more money. Yeah, or even at XFC. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying like, so at this point, with fighters that have been there and done that with a big resume, I'm not saying I have a big resume, but I I fought in the UFC seven times. You know, I yeah. fought for a couple belts locally. I have a resume. I have a name, and you know it. It's not the easiest sell, but I won my last fight, so my stock went up. I win two more fights. Boom, I st- I'm back in there. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be a UFC? Is it going to be the XFC? Is it going to be one FC? I don't care what the letters say on that contract now. I'm, mm-hmm. I care more about numbers. Yeah. So now I'm fighting for a different reason. I'm fighting to set myself up and my family up for the future because I know I I, I got what? I'm, I'm 32 now. I always told myself I ain't going to fight till 35, but now that I'm ATT, I'm training this way. My body feels so good. I'm, I don't feel so beat up. I feel like I'm smarter. Who knows when I'm done? You know, um, I'm just enjoying the process as a martial artist and just being grateful that I'm on the mats every day, learning from the, and, and training with some of the best fighters and the coaches in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always wonder too because. You know, it's, I didn't really think about it like that because now they're there. I want to say competition for the UFC, but there's options now, which is always great for fighters. Very good. Because before yeah. it was UFC Bellator, UFC Tour, but exactly. now there's the PFL. There's the fight. There's a the promotion that you're fighting for. There's so many now, exactly. you know, yeah. and it's,
1: and it's and good for fighters. It's a lot of exposure. Like where I fight is on NBC sports. That, that's the same channel that football is on, you know, mm-hmm. basketball is on and, and um, that's a huge platform. And ONE FC is huge, and you know all these promotions are getting so smart, and they're starting to care more about the fighters, and that's why I really like the XFC. You know, they they care a lot about the fighters, and and they they try and do things right by the fighters.
0: So yeah, I'm really so, happy where I'm at right now. So you're definitely for you in in your stage of maturity, you're not looking to like look for a belt anymore. Like that's not that's not your thing because you were a champion. I mean, you know what that feels like to have that belt, and you defend it.
1: If, if the time comes to fight for the XFC belt, I would be more than honored to, but I'm mostly that type of guy that, oh, just because I'm a UFC veteran, I deserve a title shot. I don't think like that. A lot of people might, but I don't want that belt. I want to earn that belt. I want to get like two, three solid wins and really earn that belt and fight somebody that that you know earned a title shot. hmm you know, Definitely. I don't think that it's fair that someone just comes in from a different promotion and fights for the belt right away. Why? Why are you the XFC champion? Because you're a UFC veteran? That's a totally different promotion. No, what can you do in the XFC? What can you do in the UFC? What can you do in Bellator? I think that mm-hmm. that's how it should be. How do you feel
0: about like these up- upcoming fights? Obviously, when this uh, probably post is already going to be there, but you know, for for example, like Adesanya, he moves up a weight class and he's already uh, uh in title contention. He's gonna he's a contender for the for the belt. What do you think about that?
1: Well, you know how it went down when John Jones um decided to go to the heavyweight and then that that fight that the fight with Jan and um Dominic mm-hmm. Reyes, that that was for like not even the interim belt, that was like for the interim belt, you know. So the light heavyweight is kind of looking for like um new blood right now. And Israel's been on the tear and even though it's been at 185, he's been putting it on a show and he's the man. So I think that he definitely deserves Going up to two hundred five and challenging for the belt, you know. Yeah. Plus he's my boy, so uh, <laughs> you know. I, I got a bad, I got a bad bad mouth him. You know, what's no, called, I really yeah. I, I feel like he really deserves the shot
0: for sure. When I look at somebody like like Jan Bohovic, like he's he's only an inch taller than me. This motherfucker looks like he's six six. He's six two. This fool's fucking huge. Like, what kind of six two human being looks like that? I tell you what, and that man carries some power. <laughs> When he kicked Ooh. Dominic Reyes once in that rib and it just turned purple, I was like, "Yo, how? He'd even turn his hip on that kick." I was
1: like, "How hard did this full hit?" Oh my gosh! Some some people are just born with that power, man. And you can see the way he lives. You watch that UFC countdown. He's in the snow. He's in. You see that? Yeah. Some ice. Listen, I could, I could do that. It probably take me a couple, but I'll do it for like two minutes, maybe. I don't know. With my will, I. But he does it like enjoyingly. Like, I, I, what I would do, right? I would dig up, I would dig up the hole, and then, all right, hey, you're timing. You better be timing. Ten yeah. minutes, five minutes. I'm jumping in. Start the clock. Boom. Yeah. I'm jumping in. This motherfucker is. In will, the fucking pool while you shoveling the ice out. The timing didn't even start yet. So I'm like, this guy this guy's just a beast, man. He's like chilling
0: in there. You would think uh, – like if somebody gave him a sandwich, he would just eat his whole lunch while he's chilling in this while ice he's pool. chilling in that, yeah. This full set, he does that for no less than five minutes, max 15. And I'm like, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> no less? That means that if it doesn't hit five, he goes, I'm not leaving this thing. Like I got to be in at least five minutes. Exactly. Like, what the fuck is wrong? This guy, is a, he is a Polish warrior. He was born in the wrong
1: man. I'm such a fan of the sport. You know, I have so many friends, and I've trained with so many of the best fighters in the world that you see on the UFC and Bellator. And I'm so grateful for that. And then sometimes they end up fighting each other, man. And, you know, when, when, something, when sometimes things like that happen, I just sit back and I become a fan, you know? Like, speak, for instance, when Kamaru Usman fought Gilbert Burns. Oh, that Listen, was amazing. I grew up with these guys in the MMA gym. Like we all had one dream and that was to be in the UFC and be a champion at one point, you know, and at one point I had more fights than both of them. Yeah. And you know, it's my kid's birthday. They're over my house, their kid's birthday. We're all over at Gilbert's house. We're all over at Kamaru's birthday party for his, his daughter. And then they're fighting each other, you know, and even though I don't train with them anymore, even though I'm with ATT, it hurt watching that fight, you know, but I had to just like sit back and watch it. I wasn't even going to watch it, but I just chilled who, out, watched the fight. And before that fight, who did you think was going to win? I, I would tell people each and everyone's strength. So I would say Gilbert is more explosive. And he's I, I thought that he had a, an advantage on the ground. Mm-hmm. But Kamaru had the fight IQ mm-hmm. and he had good clinch in wrestling. You know, that's what I would say. I didn't know who would win, honestly. And now Kamaro might fight George Masvidal again. I see George Masvidal every day. And he, and they all know that I used to train the Black Zillions. Yeah. But that's the cool thing about ATT. Like, they, they're like, yo, that's cool, bro. We can't change that past, But you're us now. You're ATT now. And, 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 and that's a special feeling. You know what I mean? George, I mean, I, th- I mean,
0: obviously, ATT had their whole thing with you know Colby Covington and George Masvidal, and yeah. I think that's like what what people are saying now is that well, just because we're on the same team, we got the same goals. Like if you're just a
1: you're, you're going to be a roadblock in my road to success, I got to still take your ass down. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's not just a fight at the end of the day; it's a business, you know. And and I mm-hmm. being the champion that changes your life. That yeah. just that doesn't just change your career; it changes your life. You can do a lot of things from there, you know. Even if you lose. As a, as um ta- as challenging for the title, your next fight you're getting paid three, or four more times than you would you would will usually get paid. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And when you are a champ, forget about it. You're getting paid maybe like ten times more. Yeah. Plus endorsement. So it's a life changer, man. And and it's not just a fight; it's a business.
0: Yeah. I mean, Gilbert Burns definitely, I mean, when he hit Kamara with that overhand, that hard-ass overhand, I was like, yo, that's a lights-out punch. And then Kamara just, he just stood right the fuck up. I'm like, yo, this guy's different. Like, that is a different human being. Nobody gets cracked by Gilbert Burns like that and stands right the fuck up,
1: you know? Exactly. You know, um, those two guys, I I love them a lot, man. They're They're both warriors, and they're such a good example, not just to me, but to everybody they're around you know um all the young fighters even the older fighters that are around them every day man um hats off to both of them man for sure yeah but i when i say <laughs> I, I love
0: watching um like all those like the the it was like anatomy of fighter that's like your old that's yeah my I'm boy gym. will harris yeah, yeah 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 you know and i would always see like kamara usman and michael johnson go back and forth on each other oh yeah oh, i'm like yeah. are these friends or do they fucking hate each other what the fuck is
1: going on with these guys bro and that's how it was every week at the black zillion man not just once a week twice a week god damn dude they everybody be- was doing that Everybody's doing that.
0: They're just cracking the fuck out of each other. I'm like, yo, are you guys friends? (laughs) Like, and then after they're hugging, I'm like, let me tell you something. If any of my friends sock me like that, don't ever speak to me ever again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that shit, dude. Yeah, man. That's that Dutch style kickboxing that they learn over there. You know, and it's cool. You know, it's cool. But damn. (laughs) Yeah, they went
0: to war, man. Like Michael Johnson too. Like I'm. I feel so sad because of his last loss. Like I, I always felt like Michael Johnson was somebody that has all the pieces to be one of the top you know and look people
1: forget man Michael Johnson fucking cracked Poirier yeah he did (laughs) he's a gamer he worked so hard too um I think he's just kind of finding himself right now uh but the game's evolving you know he's being put against all these um younger fighters Uh, even though his last fight was Clay Guida you know prior to that he was fighting a lot of younger fighters even my teammate Tiago Moises you know and the game just keeps, keeps evolving keeps evolving and um He'll Dude. be back. If Michael Johnson still wants to fight, like I said, he has that resume. Um, he could stay in the UFC. I know the UFC loves him. But even if he, it doesn't end up working out for him in the UFC, he has that resume to to be okay wherever he goes. Dude, yeah. your buddy Thiago Moises, man,
0: his last fight, I was so impressed. Right? Because he's already a dope fighter, right? And, you know, Alexander Hernandez has a little mouthpiece on him. Even after he got his ass cracked oh, by a fucking man. cowboy. It's, you know? And he's and still talking.
1: Yeah, he's I got still it.
0: talking, man. And I'm like, bro, there's something wrong with him, like mentally. Like he's not, he's not there yet. Yeah, it, like that. I think that humble factor is kind of fucking him up a little bit, and he's not i mean there's good to have that connor in you right like it gets yeah. you gassed up puts you in that mindset state yeah. but your skill level has to also match that as
1: well but, but even connor when he loses he knows you know he's very yeah, hopeful he in feet. yeah
0: it's like ah oh, fuck i lost you know and tiago yeah. moises man like that was a really good fight matchup right just because they're both really well-rounded Absolutely. fighters and then tiago though man he was blocking every single shot and his counters were fucking amazing. And just to watch him kind of break Alexander Hernandez's will, like it was like whatever Alexander Hernandez was going to throw, he saw it, countered it, rolled it off, counter cross. I'm like, Jesus, dude, he is fucking ripping
1: this kid up, and his calf kicks were killing him. Oh man, I Tiago, I got to spend some time with him in China mm-hmm. with him and his wife for three weeks because we fought in the same card in China, mm-hmm. so um, we we spent some time together a lot, of, and I really got close to him. And the kid's five years younger than me, 27 years old. And he's been doing martial arts since he was in diapers because his dad was actually a fighter, and um, I think his dad fought one of the Klitskos. Oh, really? I think mean, yeah, Klitsko's dad or something, something like that. And and like that—that's how much of a legend his father is. And I learned so much being around Tiago because of how disciplined he was. You know, he knew this since he was a young age. He's a martial artist, a true martial artist, and. He just keeps evolving. And it's scary that he's 27 years old. I really think that he has potential to, to be a champion one day. you know. And, I mean, um,
0: I, I definitely saw it in that fight, especially how well-rounded he is. And, and also, people, nobody wants to take Tiago Moises to the ground. Like, anymore? No, absolutely. You do not want to take it to the ground. So it's like to see how great his stand-up was, which I knew it was already decent, but to see how well he handled it and... Number one, he was just right in front of Alexander Hernandez's face. He's like, bro, fucking bring this shit. I'm going to tear your ass up. I was like, dude. And towards the end of the round, he goes, let's go. Let's he do was this. Talking,
1: let's go, bro. Let's go. And he's not like that. He's like, let's go, bro. He, he wanted it. And he's a product of his environment. Because I'll tell you what, all those little rolls, all those little step backs, those calf kicks, we drill that like three times a week. Mm. You know I mean? We all drill, drill, drill all those little movements three times a week. And, and um it showed man he put on the clinic and i'm very proud of him
0: yeah i i mean i mean that fight card obviously the the, the main the main event wasn't that great but you know which i was kind of surprised because it was you know Rosa strike and cyril gone but yeah that, that fight made up for all that shit just to watch oh, sure. how, how technical and how much of a clinic okay. he put on it was so good it was such a good fight i was the, so shocked how
1: about the pedro munoz fight too oh, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> i thought somebody was gonna die that's how Pedro trains, bro. Really? When you go, when I'm going to spar with Pedro, I got to get mentally ready. All right, I'm about to spar this motherfucker. Chin uh, <laughs> down. Don't make no mistakes. If you make a mistake, get get out of there. Ooh, he's such a beast, man. I, I love it. That motherfucker was throwing only
0: haymakers. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> this was fucking insane. His cat kicks.
1: Oh, his cat kicks were insane. <laughs> The coaches at ATT are amazing. The co- coach Catel Cubas, I don't know if you saw my story the other day. Sean Shelby tweeted, mm. history of the calf kick. Uh, Catel Cubas started teaching at ATT years ago. And, and, oh. and that's the man right there. And if you search Cattell, C- Cattell Cubas on YouTube, mm-hmm. you'll see how much of a savage he is. Like, he used to train with Anderson Silva and my other Muay Thai coach, Marco Horn. Just a great, great, great group of trainers there. That. Dude, man, so that well, that makes a lot of sense too. Just
0: because, like, you know, everybody's ha- the calf kicks have been coming in. I would say in style, like within the yeah. last year. But so to watch, like, it's it's hyper effective, right? Even when we like spar now, like I'm just lightly throwing it out, and you don't have to throw your full hip in it. It's really no, quick. You, you just, just like to touch I- it. Yeah. Even if it goes chin to chin, your chin's gonna hurt, but his chin's gonna hurt even more. Yeah. It's just it's just a tap 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 and then you just kind of see what happens and it's so it's right there so it's almost like for me like throwing like the low leg kick it's, it's hard to set up because i just don't see it i don't have enough practice yeah. but it's so much easier to set up a jab and kind of like tap the the calf kick in fun sparring light sparring so when when i saw that i was like oh it is actually a lot more accessible it's just i oh think for it, it's better to against takedowns too because oh. it's not so high mm. Yeah, and it's a lot more hidden you know like you just can't see it it's so quick so I was like watching him just, get out of the way then that fight was so nuts. Like just watching the haymakers and those fucking calf kicks. I was like, Howard, first of all, how the fuck were both those full
1: standing? Because he was getting calf kicked too. And he was getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> Did, what they brought it that night, man. Uh, and well, again, once again, 135 division, man, such a great division. I was a fan that night. You know, even though I trained with Pedro, I was room for him. I was a fan of both. And I'm proud of both, both those guys, too. I don't know Jimmy, but damn, what a good fight. Man, I, I after that fight, I want to see Pedro Munoz, Munoz, if he
0: wants to, run it back with Cody Garbrandt, maybe, right? Just because they were going so back and forth. Like, yeah. Pe- Pedro got rocked super hard, and yeah. then he pulled it off and then cracked the fuck out of Garbrandt. So I, I yeah. always wanted to see them run that back. Yeah, man. That,
1: that'd be a good one. But I don't <laughs> think he would do that.
0: <laughs>
1: <Good>.
0: <laughs> cody's i mean uh I'm, I'm glad to see him fight a little smarter i mean especially when he did that fucking crazy like knockout of the year shit off the cage
1: yeah and that shit was nuts <laughs> i was like dude he's a to look away that takes that takes some balls man he you could tell he's a confident guy because he pulled that off too. yeah
0: so for you <laughs> if i had like one more question for you if there was one fight that you could run back which fight would it be Oh, O'Malley fight! Which okay,
1: Well, <laughs> I I I work my ass off so bad, and I'll go. I'll get back to the UFC just to get that fight. <laughs> <laughs> I want that fight, um, <laughs> because I, like I know my potential and I know my mistakes and I know what I could have done. You know, I don't think coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I know me, man, and and um, obviously. I knew I was more durable than him, and, and it showed. And that goes a long way in fighting. People don't think that, but defense wins championships, you know. Now, with my fight IQ and a little more offense, bro, it'd be a totally different fight. Yeah, yeah I'm man. glad people seen how much of a spoiled brat he is too. I mean, like, <laughs> fighting like, oh, bro, you lost. You lost fair, fair and square. You lost. You know? Yeah, I mean, his
0: like. So Cheeto Verde trains with uh, Timo with Yama, right? And I have a yeah. friend, uh, Ron Scholesdang, that trains with him too. And he always talks about just how durable Cheeto is, right? He's also just one of those dudes that are just sturdy as fuck. Yeah. Um, just gangster as hell. And then you hear something like... The, the reason why I disliked Sean O'Malley in that fight was because what the fuck does your ankle have to do with your ground defense? <laughs> you, you didn't yeah. get knocked out because of your fucking ankle. You got knocked out because you couldn't defend his ground and pound. So he, I kind of saw his will break and he gave up and that's why he lost. So it was weird for him to say he got lucky. It's like, that wasn't luck. What
1: does your ankle have to do with your ground defense? Like you got ground and pounded. That's the difference between the savages and, and and the fighters. Like uh, there's a lot of different fighters, but then there's savages that will go down those deep waters that would literally put their health on the line to, to try and win the fight. You know what I mean? Like, um, and not everybody in the UFC would do that. Maybe 10% of them. That's yeah. it.
0: You know, we, we've seen it multiple times too. Like, you know, people didn't even know before, you know, K- Habib's, th- was it before he fought Gaethje or Pore? He had, he had the mumps. This fool was like with a yeah. deadly virus or a disease and he still kicked ass. Right. You see, uh, your old teammate Kamaru Usman fool had a, had two fucked up knees and a fucked up shoulder and he won a belt. Still, <laughs> bro, he has to walk down the stairs backwards. Every time, that's fucking nuts to me, dude. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? How is he doing what he's doing? I have two fucked up knees too. I'm I'm not doing the shit that he's doing. I'm not going for takedowns and wrestling people. My knees. Once my knees hurt, I'm like, hey guys, time out. I'm done. (laughs) Like, I I can't do this shit. That's cool, man. It's great that you're such a fan, bro. Yeah, man. Like, I, 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 fighting it to me is one of those things I really enjoy. Not before, not for the blood or anything else like that. It's because I like though though i'll always make commentary about what a fighter does or says this is from a fan perspective i know for i know and i know i can't do what they do so it's always great to watch fight that's why i I watch prelim fights whatever it doesn't matter all these fights have an ability to do for people to do something amazing so when when i see these fighters come in and they go into this cage and these guys are like modern day gladiators all Mm -hmm. you guys are modern day gladiators you guys put it on the line and you put your life on the line and anybody who, who thinks otherwise is only because you haven't been faced with somebody who could literally take your life, whatever the fuck they want. That's why, you know, there's a lot of internet warriors. You get to mouth off however the fuck you want without having a fist in your face. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is like, once you start training and you get into this arena, you do get humble because you start you to realize yeah. how small of a fish you are in this big ass pond. Right. And I remember just looking back at one of my old videos, right. It was when I first started trying to to do striking. Right. And I I did a kickbox kickboxing like t- when I was twenty, and I got my money taken because I didn't know who the fuck I was signing up for. This was wow. like this is like what ten years ago. A lot of people just didn't know what they were training unless you went to a very specific area with fighters, right? right? So I didn't have a very great coach. So, but I took that little one year kickboxing like shit, your boy tight, you know. <laughs> so I remember I did my first and I recorded myself and I was like, "Hey man, this fucking video is like in slow mo or some shit. What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, what the fuck is with this video? I found out how bad I was. I was like, yo, I'm actually not good
1: at all. Isn't like, that, is isn't that the beauty of it, though? Like, it, it's great, man. Like, I've been training for what 14 years now. I've been fighting 14 years, and bro, I get humbled every day because there's a bunch of savages on that mat every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, that's just the part of the martial arts. You know, it, You're never going to be the best, and you're never going to know it all. It's always going to be, and you're not always going to have a, a good day. You're always going to have bad days and good days. more bad days and good. You know,
0: that was the uh, hard part that I realized. Like there's days like in sparring where you're just fucking, you feel amazing, right? Everything's clicking. The footwork is great. You're seeing everything. And there's another day where some dude is just beating your ass and you don't
1: know why. And you just have to deal with it. And, and, but the facts that you do get from like training uh, where, you know, even working out, like you're getting healthy. You know, you're doing martial arts, you're learning the art. So that's education right there. Mm. That's something that will never go away. Once you learn how to throw a punch, boom, you learn how to throw a punch. You pass the class. Now you're going to throw a combination, jab, cross, hook. You pass that class. Now you're adding kicks. Now you're mixing it up. You're sparring and you're doing okay sometimes. Then you pass that class. Um, I look at martial arts as an education, you know, like Mm. – you, you just keep on learning. And it's a nonstop education. And the more you want to do, you can stop at any time, but that's when your education stops. But the yeah. more you keep on training, you keep on training, the more you just learn and, and put into that toolbox. And you might relearn something and be like, oh, damn, that's an easier way to do that, especially in jujitsu or something. Oh, I'm going to do it this way. And, and, and that's, that's why it's cool. And I appreciate talking to somebody like you who, who actually does train because you know how it is. Yeah. So like when I, that's
0: what I'm saying, like, it's, it's always easy for people to criticize something that they've never done. And specifically martial arts, kickboxing, MMA, it's something that you learn a lot, through repetition. Like, I, 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 like I remember the first time I started sparring and I, and I fucking uh, slipped two punches and I rolled a hook. I was like, when the fuck did that come from? Like, it's like, I've been trying to do that shit for two years. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then out of nowhere it happened. And I'm like, Holy shit. I bet it was so natural. Like you didn't even think about it. Just, no, oh. I didn't think about it at all. It just happened. I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, yo, this is dope. And you know, no matter how many times I could have read a book about when to slip a punch, when to roll something is through repetition and training. Like and there, get punched in the face a couple of times, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's no other way you're going to find out how this works unless you actually do it. And I think those little small moments, it kind of what, it would build confidence. It makes you feel good too. It's like, all this work that I've done is finally paying off. So when I sometimes, you know, you click on these profiles of these trolls, and they go, mm. "Oh, why didn't he just fucking clinch and grab him up and then roll up?" It's like, bro, mm. do you have any idea how hard that is? Like, you can't. In order for you to slip a punch, that means like
1: instinctually, you you know where that punch is coming by. Instinct- is, that what, is that what they say, David? <laughs> <laughs> like, ever since like all that, I, I don't read no comments. I don't, I don't any no, of that.
0: So, I might just. Crazy
1: it just cracks me up because i love clicking on the profile like i
0: don't i never comment back but it just makes me laugh because like it's always some fucking fat fuck little bitch (laughs) (laughs) bitch made little greasy motherfucker you know and he shows a a a video of him kicking a bag and it's the worst shit i've ever seen it's
1: like it's only gonna get worse you know because but it's all good yeah and tell you hey get punched in the face your fights now right (laughs) You know, I'll tell you, this training has made
0: uh, watching the UFC a lot more fun, too. Like it's been um, because before I couldn't see a lot of stuff that other people were seeing, you know, and I'm just like waiting for somebody to get knocked out. But now, like when I see somebody grab position, I can see what they're doing, especially like on the ground and up against the
1: cage. Yeah, I can see what the next moves are. And it gets me excited because. Yeah, that's dope because you're like, oh, and then they might do something that you're thinking or they might do something totally different. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's it's crazy. And it just made the sport so much more fun. And that was like the main reason why I wanted to start training again was because uh, I just didn't want to be like those people who had an opinion about something when I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. And when I went to a USC fight, it was specifically the Garbrandt. It was it was a fight with Garbrandt versus um, Dillashaw and then Mighty Mouse. versus Yeah, it was in L.A. And then that was the first UFC fight I had. I was like six rows back, and I was like, "I'm never gonna go see a fight live again because everybody fucking next to me were these fucking armchair experts." Yeah, you yeah. know, and they were screaming some of the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, "Put him in the face, <laughs> yeah, a- <laughs> yeah, shit like that." And like this dude, I so this is fucking funny. So I'm watching this fight right, and uh, there's a guy who clearly bought this ticket for his girl next to him. Right, they're on a date. And this fool is literally just spewing random shit, trying to impress her with his, like, fight knowledge. But he literally knows nothing about fighting. And he's like, why is he not just putting him in a fucking guillotine? He'd be lights out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? They're standing up and striking and exchanging. How the fuck is he just going to jump on this dude and put a guillotine on him? So he was literally just saying whatever. And this girl looked at him like, he doesn't watch fighting at all. (laughs) But a majority of the people in that crowd are like him. They, they just want to see somebody get killed in the cage. So they don't know what they're looking at. It's because they don't train, you know?
1: Yeah, and <laughs> the sad part is, like, that's what, that's what we do it for, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. Like, we entertain those people, but at the same time, they're, they're buying the tickets and they're supporting us. So it's like, you know, I appreciate all the fans, um, but you do get a lot of fans like that, for sure yeah man the, I mean what you do is a is a very unique thing man like
0: i getting to know a lot of these fighters and seeing what you do I definitely could tell the difference between what a fighter does and then you know what somebody else would would do in your situation and that the answer is like we can't do what you do it's it's a mental thing the the mentality of getting in a cage and watching people watch you fight scares the shit out of me <laughs> you know
1: you you almost feel naked mm. you're fighting you almost feel like I feel like that sometimes, like I feel naked, but I'm fighting somebody naked. You know what I'm saying? And, mm. and um, it's something that you have to learn how to get used to, you know, like just like anything is like, you get a lot of anxiety going out before the fight. Like I get my anxiety is at a hundred. Mm. I'm about to fight somebody. Yeah. Okay, You're up in three minutes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like, all right. Um, You know, for most fighters, I'll talk for myself. If I know I put the work in, if I know that I had a good camp, I had no bad injuries and stuff, my mindset was right. I'm confident, you know, and and that's probably what you saw in my last fight. That's why I was so confident. That's why I was so calm because I knew I did all the right training. I knew that I had a good camp, and um, that that's just how it is, man. Like once that cage door closes, all that goes away. And you got to learn how to kind of just like, and I'm still learning this, you know what I mean? Like, it's not something you could just learn. Like, I'm still learning this. I'm not the smartest guy in, in the book. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, I learned through experience, you know, I can't just like look at something. Oh, this person, I'm learning through experience. And I'm like, all right, you did this long enough. So you got to learn how to just focus and zoom in. You worked hard, boom, time to put everything together. Yeah. And even well, though, even though when you do kind of, you're still dissatisfied. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the beautiful experience of martial arts. There's always room to level up. And like you said, you're you're never going to know everything, even by the time you die, you know? And that's the beautiful part. Like, it's just, there's there's always room for growth. And every yeah. time you level up, it feels better and better and better.
1: And, and, and I love it, man. I love it. I, I can't go like... If I go a day without it, and knowing that I cheated that day, if it wasn't like my day off and I, I went... I'm not the same person. Yeah. I sure do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey man, thanks for uh, stopping by on the podcast. Is there anything you want to plug? Hey man, I, I just appreciate you uh, putting me on here and uh, appreciate all your support throughout these years. Um, you guys want to follow me? Andre Souk MMA. You know, Hey man, I, I wish you best on your endeavors, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Sure. All right, brother. Hey, all right, bro. I'll see you. Keep in brother. touch. Yes, sir.